Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs, the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. My name is Joshua Shepard, and where do I serve the Lord? I'm in the radio ministry in Madisonville, Kentucky, and I'm a member of the Island Ford Baptist Church, and I preach on the radio and wherever the Lord opens the door. Briefly tell us about the members of your immediate family. I'm blessed to have been married to Katie Shepard for over a year and a half now. We got married in October. And I thank the Lord for my wife. She was born and raised in Kansas. And her father was a pastor for 36 years until he was unable to continue to pastor because of different health issues that he has. Mm -hmm. Uh, She has three sisters and they're all serving the Lord in different areas. One of them in missions and one of them is a, a pastor's wife and another one's a deacon's wife. They're all serving the Lord in different areas of the world. I also have uh, one sister and two brothers. They all three profess to be saved. And so I hope, I hope that that's right. I think that it is. Amen. I hope so. And there I I have two of them are faithfully serving the Lord in good sound churches. And I thank the Lord for that. Wow. And so how did you and your wife meet? I met her through a missionary. He's going to Southeast Asia now. And he was a pastor of the first church that my grandfather, well, actually the second church that my grandfather started in Kansas. And my grandfather and grandmother are church planners in Kansas. And the second mm-hmm. church they started was there in Lindsborg, Kansas. And Brother Chris Matthews took that church and was with my grandfather for six years there under him, uh, learning uh, to be a pastor and uh, in training under my grandfather. And uh, so then he took the church, was there for 12 years. And during that time is when I met uh, Miss Katie. And uh, he right right after we uh, met, he resigned the church and decided to leave the country. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) He's going as a missionary to Southeast Asia. And we thank the Lord for that. Yeah. Yeah. So it it sounds like you have somewhat of a a goodly heritage. Where did you grow up? I grew up in North Carolina. In uh, North Wilkesboro, North Carolina, I was born there. My father was uh, 
became a pastor of a church there, actually, that my grandfather started uh, several mm-hmm. years ago. He became a pastor there just a little over a year before I was born. And so I've been in a pastor's home. I grew up in a pastor's home all my childhood. And wow. he pastored there for tw- over 26 years. My father did until he uh, accepted the call to come out here to Kentucky. So um, I thank the Lord for being a product of a good godly home. Amen. 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 So it sounds pretty clear that you you grew up in a Christian home and that was kind of the background of your, your childhood? Yes, sir. That That is correct. I, I sure did. And I, I don't remember, of course, any time uh, as a child not being in a church and not being in a, in a good church and uh, being a part of, I mean, even before that I was saved, we was singing in church and playing yeah. instruments and things like that. And so I know that that is not a substitute for being saved. Uh, we all have to be sure. saved no matter what we're doing in the church. But um, but I'm thankful that I was saved and and at a young age. And I thank the Lord for that. Yeah, it certainly you know gives you a, a head start in life in general, and especially in the Christian life. Coming, you know, uh, having the privilege of growing up that way. Yes, sir. You're correct. How did you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, as I said, I I, I grew up in a Christian home, and um, and I'd always known. I mean, as a young man, I could have. I could have told you more than likely the scriptural answer as far as how to be saved, but I was not right. saved. And I made a couple professions when I was probably 10 or 12 or somewhere around in there. I made a couple mm-hmm. professions. And really the thing was, I knew that others around me, I mean, I had a lot of respect for a lot of good Christian people. And mm-hmm. I knew that they knew that I needed to be saved. Right, and so I did not want to go through life uh, as a lost person in their eyes. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I felt like in order to be like them, I had to at least claim that I was saved. And so I made a profession, <laughs> yeah. and later I knew that wasn't right. So I made another profession, but I wasn't really doing business with God. Yeah. Um, and so then one day, I, I don't know if you know Brother Fane Jordan. Um, he was a pastor. You may know Brother Sammy Allen. Uh, down yeah, I know of Sammy Allen. Okay. he w- Brother Jordan was Brother uh, Allen's assistant pastor for many years. Okay. And then okay. he went into evangelism. And uh, and about that time, he uh, he was preaching a revival there in Wilkes County mm-hmm. at a church that we fellowshiped with there. And I really loved Brother Jordan. Brother Jordan loved to preach on things, uh, you might say historical messages. Things about uh, things that happened in the past and draw a relevance to it to scripture, yeah, and things like that. And I, I love history. I always have loved history. Amen. And so I was really excited about going to hear Brother Jordan preach. And so on Monday night we went to the revival meeting, and he didn't preach about history or anything like that. He preached on yeah. hell, and wow. uh, the Lord made it real to me that that was where I was headed. And it wasn't just a game. It was truth. And uh, he convicted my heart. And I realized that the only way that I could be saved was if I asked the Lord to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me and to make me whole. And that's what I did. I prayed and asked the Lord to do that. I didn't have to go to my parents and ask them how to be saved. As I said, I knew how to be saved. Sure. I had a head knowledge, but I didn't have a heart knowledge. Right. And the Lord gave me a heart knowledge that day. And I thank the Lord for that. That was in March. 
of 2005. I don't know what date exactly. I think it was the 21st or 22nd, but it was on a Monday there. And I thank the Lord for making it clear to me that I needed to be saved just like everybody needs to be saved. Amen. Right. Amen. So I, I noticed on the Missions Moment webpage that you emphasized the KJV. Uh, what has the King James Bible meant to your life and ministry? Well, I, I have to admit that the King James is the only version that I've ever used or studied or um, anything like that. I don't know all that much about all the other versions out there. I know there's a mm-hmm. whole slew of versions out there, but really, I don't feel like I, I need to know about them. Sure. Who knows what is right. And um, I we could spend... <laughs> We could spend hours talking about the controversy uh, between different versions, and I have done that with different people. I, as I said, I don't feel like I'm an expert on that topic, right? but I do believe that two things that are different cannot possibly be the same. And so I think I see these other versions. I have seen some of them, and I've seen verses that are left out or that are totally changed, um, changing the meaning of the verses. And I also don't believe that the Word of God, that, that God inspired uh, the thoughts of the Word of God. I believe He inspired the words. Peter tells us that the holy men that were moved of old, they wrote things they didn't even understand what they was writing sometimes. Right. But God gave them the words. And so it's not the thoughts that are inspired, it's the words that are inspired. And so that means that the words must mean something. Uh, Psalm 12, 6 and 7, the Bible says the words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. And uh, so, and then he says, thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. So I believe that the word of God is perfect. And I believe that it is preserved for our day. It's not just perfect in the originals. We have a perfect copy of the word of God today. Yeah. And if we do that, and as I believe that we do, then it must, it's not that some people believe, I, I perceive that some people believe that we have the closest that we can get. We just have to figure out which one is the closest that we can get to the Word of God. I don't right, believe right, that. Right. I believe we have the perfect Word of God that is pres- preserved, as the Bible says, from this generation forever. Sure. Well, it, you know, in order to, to make that type of contrast, when, I'm, uh, when I have opportunity to have these discussions, I often say, I don't believe the King James Bible to be the best uh, translation that we have. I think it is the perfect word of God in the English language. Amen. I encourage people to look into it to the extent that they can separate this idea that it, all it is, is just a, a halfway decent translation. It's the best thing that we've got amongst other translations. I I think it's, I believe, and I, I, would even go as far as to say, I know it is far better than that. It Amen. is the perfect word of God in the English language. So. Amen. I agree, brother. And I think about this. He said you preserve them forever there in Psalm 12. Um, he said in um, Psalm nineteen seven, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Uh, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise and simple. Psalm 19 is a great, uh, got a lot there about the word of God. In uh, Proverbs 30, verse 5, he says, every word of God is pure. Yeah. And so there's a lot of emphasis about the words. And even, you know, Revelation 22, 18 and 19, uh, the Bible says that we we shouldn't take out words or add words to the word of God. And so um, there's a a strong curse for those that do. And uh, then I also believe that 
If you look at all the other, there may be one or two, possibly one or two other versions, but I think that pretty much all the other versions um, out there besides the King James are, I believe, what they call the critical text. They they're come from that text that was hidden in the Vatican for all these years and um, and and corrupted. Sure. And um, so the received text, the only one really that we have from that is the King James. Right. And I don't think that God would, if he was trying to preserve his word, I don't think he would do it in the basement of the Vatican. <laughs> <laughs> so Missions Moment is a webpage hosted online as a Facebook group in which you try and post each weekday information about a different country, along with a write-up that, that details a brief history and certain demographics related to information about that country. What, what is your purpose for doing that? My primary purpose is to cause people to have a burden to pray for others around the world who do not know Christ. And right. many of them have no way of hearing about Christ unless they, unless someone takes the gospel to them. And so uh, that really, my, main, my primary purpose is to cause other people to cause Christians to pray. The Bible says in Matthew 9, 36 through 38, but when he saw the multitudes, and in my Bible, I underline that word he saw, or those two words he saw, Christ yeah. saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered yeah. abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Yeah. Then yeah. saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Then he said these, these words in verse 38, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Yeah. And that, that's my purpose is to try to get Christians to see the need and to pray for more labors in, to go into the harvest, see souls right, saved. Right. Well, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is, is in John 4 when Jesus said, Say not ye there yet four months. And then he 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 overlaps that by saying, or, or his, uh, his counter to that is lift up your eyes and look on the fields. Yes, sir. And, and so that's kind of what you're, you're, you're aiming for here is to give uh, Bible believing Christians an opportunity to look on the fields and to see the great, the huge, massive need for missions around the world. Absolutely. Yes, sir. And, and so in posting that, that the information that you post, and we're going to uh, get into some of that a little bit in just a moment, you, you know, what, what do you ultimately hope will come of it? You want Christians to pray, you want them to see the need. And then what is, what is the desire of your heart? How do you hope to see them respond to this? I would love to hear of someone surrendering their life to go to the missions field and spread the gospel somewhere, especially where it's not being spread at right. this moment. That would, right. that would be great. Starting planning indigenous, uh, Bible-believing New Testament Baptist churches. I, I would love that. Um, but I, b I believe that the reason that we're seeing fewer and fewer, and we are seeing fewer and fewer people surrender to go to the mission mm -hmm. field, um, I don't think that that's because God is not calling as many people necessarily. Sure. Um, I think that one of the reasons that we're seeing fewer and fewer people surrender to go to the mission fields of our day is because people are a lot of people are unaware. I don't think that the main reason is because they're unaware of the need. I think people realize there's people, there's lost people all around the world, but they don't really think of that necessarily. But I believe that the reason we're not seeing people go to the mission field today is because we have failed to fulfill 
Matthew 9, 38 and other scriptures um, where the Bible commands us to pray for more labors. And um, I believe that if we pray for more labors, God will answer those prayers and he'll send more labors into the harvest field. And um, I hope that, uh, well, I believe this. I believe a lot of times when we pray, Lord, would you send somebody to do this? A lot of times, God, if we have that real burden that that we want to see something done about a certain situation, whatever it is, we want somebody to do something about this. Um, if we pray hard enough, we, we we have a burden like the Lord would have for us to have, then God may wind up calling us to do to, to fulfill that. We may be the answer in one sense to that mm-hmm. prayer. And um, I believe God does call people to the mission field, and I believe He'll call more if we'll pray. And I don't think that, um, I don't think that it's God's fault that we don't see more people going to the mission field. I think that it is a lot, of, in large part, as Christians, it's our fault. Um, and one of the reasons may be possibly because we're not, we don't have a burden. We don't pray as we should for lost around the world. And do you think that that lack of prayer is on an individual basis or or collectively as the body of Christ? Maybe both, but I think it's more on an individual basis. I think that um, God God sees more, God deals with us as individuals. And um, I think that as individuals, I mean, I can't control what other people do, but I can try to right. do what God would have for me to do as much as I can. And um, so I think if I think God work at revival, we talk about revival coming to America or to our church or whatever. And I I think that that's not outside the realm of possibilities. But I think God does. Uh, God sends revival to individuals. Mm-hmm. And um, then through that, they can affect others. And so I, I think that God sees, I guess, in answer to your question, God sees individuals and God deals with individuals. I think as individuals, we should uh, we should try to pray for uh, people around the world that don't know Christ. And also, uh, one thing that the Missions Moment helps me to do personally is mm-hmm. to, uh, to realize, to, to put faces, I guess you say, faces and names and personalities yeah. to people who are out there doing a the work for the right. Lord. And uh, be able to pray for them as well. I, I really enjoy seeing the the overlays that you add, and you know, when when you when you take the two different countries and you do an overlay of that country over the United States, and uh, yes. it gives some insight as to the physical size of a country and reference to the United States. And then, uh, yes. uh, but during the span of time you've been doing this, have you noticed any role that geography plays in Americans' willingness to surrender to missions? In other words, do you think it's um, how much have you noticed that the location and maybe even the the demographics and background of that location, whether it's geographical or whether it's cultural or, or religious, how much of that do you think has played a role in people maybe not being willing to leave America and go there? I don't know that I have. I'll tell you, uh, my purpose for doing that, I believe, uh, well, let me back up. I've, whenever I was a teenager, I was 17 years old. And I was not called to preach until um, 2013. I was 23. Um, but whenever I was 17, my dad and myself had the opportunity to go to Cambodia and the uh, Philippines on a mission wow. trip. And that was really wow. a, a miracle for me. I don't know still 
uh, where the finances came from for that trip. Uh, we we never had that kind of money to be able to do that. <laughs> I know somebody helped, yeah. and I know yeah. that the church there at Vision helped quite a bit, and I think somebody else did as well. I think the church took care of my dad's uh, part, but somebody took care of mine. I don't know who did it, but I'm thankful that they did, and very uh, very uh, thankful to them for doing that. Uh, but uh, but the thing is, I feel like a lot of people in America, or at least in the South, feel like everywhere in the world is just like the South is, you know. And so uh, there's churches on every corner and all, all of this. And I heard a missionary one time talking about um, Alaska, and he said the average person living in Alaska to be able to go to a, a independent Baptist church or a church that uses King James Bible of any kind mm-hmm. would have mm-hmm. to drive, I think it was 300 miles at least. Wow. The wow. average person would to get to yeah. a church like that. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and so some countries, you know, you see large countries um, with smaller populations. You may wonder like Greenland, why why would you need more missionaries to Greenland? There's two there and there's only 5,000 people, whatever there is. I forget now how mm-hmm. many people there are, but there's not that many people. Right. But there's no roads. There's no way of communication. And there's they're, they're scattered out throughout this huge landmass, just a few few hundred people here and there and and in the next place. And so I think sometimes it may help us be able to, my my hope is that it helps us be able to see the need for missions and see the need of the missionaries who are there Mm -hmm. that maybe have a little bit different. They can't like, for example, Indonesia stretches from, if you laid it across the U.S., would stretch from coast to coast. I mean, from California to New York. And wow. um, there's not a road that runs all the way. You know, we, if, if <laughs> yeah. you had a missionary in New York City, you couldn't possibly expect him to reach the people in Salt Lake City. Right. But um, but it's, but he has a road to get there. They, they don't have that in, in Indonesia, you know. Sure, so sure. Just kind of seeing where the people are spaced throughout the place. Maybe, I, I don't know if it helps, but it help. I, I love geography anyway. And so yeah. that's, Part of that, I guess, is probably my own uh, love for it, but but it helps me to see kind of the circumstances that maybe it might would be for a missionary who was there trying to reach this country uh, for the Lord. Yeah, and and the information you provide, and and along with the visuals, could really serve to help a missionary or a prospective missionary kind of lay out some general battle plans, if you will. They can kind of see the demographics, the backgrounds, Amen. the physical location, the the size of it all. I mean, it really puts things in into a very unique perspective, especially for Americans, because they struggle with geography anyway. Yes. So <laughs> you're right. <laughs> now, have you learned anything new about specific cultures that interest you more than others while in, in terms of doing this? I think I have. I, I've learned and it's for for me, I guess I'm kind of in the middle of it, and it's a little bit harder. I don't know if it's harder for me than anybody else, but um, what I'm trying to say is I work for the missions moment. I prepare. I try to stay at least two weeks ahead of time, and so I'm thinking of different countries and all, and so it kind of all just runs together at some point, but yeah. and sometimes it's hard for me to separate it, but I do remember hearing different um, and and learning about different cultures and things that are very foreign, of course, to us as Americans. And sometimes, a lot of times, I believe that these cultures and uh, these different ideas that people have 
would play a role in um, in how you would have to reach these people with the gospel. Sure. I think about this. I heard, I told you about the, the Matthews family that are going to Southeast Asia. They, mm-hmm. um, they're in a school right now. They're in Texas uh, learning uh, about language. And yeah. um, they're one of the things that they learned there. And I forget now, you, ha- um, you have to forgive me, but I, I forget now where it was or even the exact story. But I remember they was telling me about this missionary that was going there and was telling them, preaching to them the gospel. And he got to the place. Well, first they their culture that they're they're tribal people, and so it may have been Papua New Guinea. I don't remember, but it was someplace. And the um, the culture is that they try to if you can trick the other tribe, or if you can uh, get something from for nothing, if you if you can try to in some way get something over on them, then you're the hero. <laughs> you know, of your trap. And so that that's just something, something wonderful, you know. And so he starts telling them about Jesus going to the cross and they're in the garden of Gethsemane and Judas betraying them with a kiss and Judas betraying them for 30 pieces of silver. And uh-huh. the tribe thought that Judas was a hero of the story. Oh, no. And he, he learned their language. He knew their language. He knew how to say it. He said all the right words, but he wasn't getting the story across because the culture, the culture. had... Yeah, and so ingrained in their mind something that uh, really is totally anti-biblical. Um, but um, but one thing about that too, I think I, I don't think as far as culture goes, I don't think that missionaries should attempt to go. Um, in my in my opinion, I don't think Christians should attempt to go and try to start American churches all around the world. Sure. Uh, you, you understand? I think that it needs to be their church and it needs to be their culture in one sense there. But at the same time, the root word for culture is cult. And yeah. your culture is derived in large part by what you believe in, and your your religion, your your religious beliefs. And your so worldview, right? Exactly. And so when that culture goes directly against the word of God, then you're not trying to make them American. You're trying to get them to line up to the word of God and culture may have to change in some ways. You understand uh, in the preaching of the, the word of God. And so I think we need to adapt to the word of God, not to the culture necessarily that we're trying to go. But we shouldn't try to live. Some people, you know, that they want to go there and they want to live like Americans. And, you know, there's not Walmarts in every part of the world. There's not, you know, right. food restaurants. There's there's a lot of things, especially I mean, I, I know you're going they're to Africa, I believe. If you maybe Uganda, if they're um, some of those areas over in that area of the world, the funeral um, procedures, uh, ceremonies are totally different and sometimes very uncomfortable <laughs> for yeah. for us. Um, but uh, it's not that we're trying to necessarily change that unless it goes against the Word of God. But I think that the Word of God should play a role in our culture. <laughs> right. Ultimately, that's the key. Is um if I can say it this way, my approach to this is so, so far as the particular aspects of their culture do not violate the word of God, then we leave it alone. Yes, sir. But if that aspect of culture is a violation of scripture, then it has to be addressed like any other sin would have to be addressed. Amen. And, and Jesus said repeatedly, he told the Jews, you know, his contention, one of his points of contention with them was that their tradition had violated scripture. And, and so tradition is not bad so long as that tradition, which is directly related to culture, 
yeah. does not violate the word of God. And and so I, I think that's a, a very reasonable and scriptural approach to, to, to these type things. We're yeah. not trying to create American churches in Africa, but we are trying to get rid of the sin that is so yeah. in there deeply entrenched in their culture, Amen. wherever it is in the world, in our own culture and in theirs, you know, as well. Amen. Brother Irvin, also, I, I was thinking about this. You, you're talking about the Lord and culture and all that. And the Lord had a problem even with his disciples with culture. Um, mm-hmm. You think about, they come up to this blind man and uh, he'd been blind from birth and the disciples asked Jesus. Now, this was the man that had been with Jesus for several, uh, two or three years at that point, and are asking Jesus, said, was this blindness because of his sin or his parents? Sure. And and what I think about this, I had a great grandmother that was a Pentecostal holiness, and um, she, um, she, I believe she was a saved woman. She came to our church in her older years, but she she made mm-hmm. a profession there at our church, and but. And she would always have a, a problem. She would just, when she'd testify, she'd say, you know, I I thank the Lord for saving me and all this. And I just hope that I can hold on to it till I die. You know, and it's like, no, you're, you know, and we would talk to her and get her. She would understand that it, you can't lose your salvation. It's, there's no way you can lose eternal life, you know. And she would, right. she would understand that she'd have a head knowledge of it. And then later she would go back to, well, I just hope I don't lose it, you know. And it's just, it's hard to get past something that you've been trained all your life uh, that something is true. And you can even know that it's not true and it'll, it'll haunt you still in the end. Right. It's just deeply engraved. We, as we travel throughout uh, Africa, throughout Uganda, we have a saying that uh, tends to resonate there. You can take the Ugandan out of the village, but you can't take the village out of the Ugandan. Oh, yes. And, um, and so we, we have some guys you know, there that um, the missionary I'm going to work with, Brother Keith Stensis, um, he's done an excellent job of training these men and, and bringing up generations of young Christians there that that are doing very well and and are Maybe. deeply rooted in the Word of God. But they still have these deeply entrenched aspects of their cultural personality yes, that they cling to. And occasionally in conversation, it comes out. And it's the the funniest thing, some of the stuff I could tell you that they believe. And and don't know why they believe it. They just know that that's what they've always <laughs> believed and, yes. and have been taught. And so, and we have that here in America as well. We're just more, uh, you know, in tune with the types of, you know, cultural attachments that we have. So it's not so odd to us unless we go from the South to the North or yes. from the East to the West or something along those lines. So you're right. Um, it, it could be very interesting. Yes, sir. That's, that's for sure. And it's like you said, sometimes we don't even, well, none of us, realize that we we don't have the capacity to stand back and look and say, well, that's kind of weird. But, um, but we all have those things uh, when, and it hurt, it hurts in some ways whenever we're trying to understand the word of God, uh, we have to get past what we, what we've been ingrained to believe and just take the word of God for what it says. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I've noticed on, uh, when you post these missions moment updates that it often ends up connecting missionaries uh, online in various ways that are in those respective fields. Yes, sir. How many relationships or how often are you able to establish a relationship with a missionary as a result of posting their particular field 
online and making it known to other people that they are there and that they needed to be prayed for. And, and, you know, how, how often do you get to know some of those missionaries and get to spend a little, maybe a little time with them, whether it's online or in person or, you know, what types of relationships have developed from that? That is my favorite, I guess, part of the missions moment is being able to connect with missionaries who are, I mean, in my opinion, missionaries are heroes. I mean, I've, I really appreciate someone that is willing to go somewhere where they're not comfortable, go somewhere where they don't know anybody there and tell them because they care for their souls. They, um, I, I thank the Lord for that. And uh, so, yes, I, I try my best to, whenever I started, I tried to look at one missionary for every country and try to get that, you know, uh, some, some information about that missionary, about his work and so that we can mm-hmm. better pray for him. And I found mm-hmm. out there's a whole lot of countries I don't know anybody going to. Oh, yeah. And some of them, I'm sure there are a lot of missionaries going there. I just don't know them. And then others, there may not be hardly any that are going to those fields. Um, but um, it, it's saddening to think about how many people um, are going going to hell because nobody is taking the gospel to them. But... Um, but the the countries that I do know missionaries from, it's hard for me to say I'm going to highlight one missionary and leave everybody else out, you know. So right, I, I get, right. I'm studying right now. Actually, yesterday, um, studying for the United Kingdom. I'm going to be posting that on the 13th. Oh wow! And so I yeah. know a bunch. We support, uh, I think, five, uh, five or six missionaries to the United Kingdom to some part of the United Kingdom. And of course, mm-hmm. it's not a really large country. It's a fairly small country, but there's a fairly large population there. And, um, and they, they definitely need the, the truth. But so I have some of those missionaries that I've known all my life. And so I'm thankful for that. But then I have met several missionaries such as yourself through, um, through the missions moment in some way. And I've been able to build relationships with them. And I thank the Lord for sure. that opportunity. Sure. And to get to know them better, and I I feel like also to allow to keep missions in front of uh, so many people that are able to read the missions moment or hear it on the radio or um, right. or whatever like that. I thank the Lord for that opportunity to keep missions in front of them and to allow these missionaries the opportunity to tell their burden um, yeah. to all these people. And, and I also yeah. think too one thing that I like to do, and I think that you gave me, if I remember right, you gave me a really good. Um, and some really good information about Uganda and Rwanda and some other places. Um, but um, I don't necessarily just want, whenever I'm talking to a missionary, I don't just want to know what are the prayer requests that you would have, although I do want to know that. Sure. But I also, if they can give me information about, you know, how many villages or how many cities or how many places in this country don't have any gospel witness or mm-hmm. how many missionaries there are that he knows of in that country. And uh, sometimes, I mean, some countries are large enough that there's no way nobody knows everyone in in the country. Sure. But there are some places right. where they, they, like in Greenland, the one missionary told me that, uh, Brother Scholl told me that he, and I met him through the missions moment, that he um, he's the only missionary there besides one other guy that's there with him. And there's another missionary that's on deputation to go to Greenland. And of course, yeah. we understand that Greenland doesn't need a hundred missionaries necessarily, 
But sure. um, three missionaries for a country the size of Greenland is would take them a while to reach the whole country. We're talking maybe 20 or 30 years, if that. I mean, if, yeah, if especially with the geographical difficulties. That's right. Yes, sir. So I, I, I really appreciate that part of the missions moment that has helped me. I, I did this. I felt like the Lord burdened my heart during our missions conference one year. Um, I think it was in 2015. I believe that. No, no, no. I'm telling you wrong. 2018. I believe it was 2018. Uh, maybe it's 20. No, it's 2017. Now I'll get it right in a second. Um, <laughs> but in 2017, the Lord burdened my heart about the missions moment on the radio. That's all that it was. Uh, you want me to do. I just want to do five minutes on the radio talking about countries around the world. And uh, it's grown from that to, to the Facebook post. And um, actually more people may read it through the Facebook post than they do on uh, listen to it on the radio. But okay. um, but I'm I'm thankful for that opportunity, and it has grown to where I've I missionaries will contact me, or I'll be told of a missionary, and I go and look them up. And um, I mean, like I don't even remember exactly how that I found out about you and your ministry, brother. But I'm <laughs> sure. thankful for it, and I know it was through the missions moment. And it was, it was, I, you know, and that that was a blessing to us. Um, you know, I somehow we had gotten connected through your, your post in the missions moment regarding Uganda Amen. and, uh, and, and you had reached out to me for some information and talked and you had included us in that post. And so it's a, it's an encouragement to us that someone would care enough to create such a medium to put the information out there so that people would pray for us on a large scale. I mean, that really means a lot to us Amen. and it, and it shows as God has greatly blessed my wife and I and our, our, our ministry and our attempt to get to Uganda. Now, of course, we're, dealing with this coronavirus situation, but um, our plans haven't changed. And, and, you know, God's people praying for us, I think has been a major, major aspect of, of our ability to accomplish what we've been able to accomplish so far. And, um, and then some of the, some of the dynamics you were talking about, especially with knowing, you know, uh, how many people are in a country, how many villages and cities are in that country, how many of them are unreached. Yes, sir. Um, Uganda is a prime example of that. My idea of Uganda, as, as, as I began to develop a burden for this country, you know, it, I didn't take it seriously initially because, in my opinion, there are lots of Christians, there are lots of missionaries in Uganda. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, you know, who, why, does, why would Uganda need another missionary? <laughs> and then my wife and I went there and we went street preaching in downtown Kampala and it became very clear to me the number of missionaries there now or people that at least claim to be missionaries that are there. Yes, sir. It's like throwing a rock at a freight train. Yes, sir. You're talking about 45 million people Amen. with maybe a couple of dozen missionaries in the country. Wow. That's, that's a not, that's not a, those are not sufficient odds. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and I understand there, there's all the spiritual talk. Well, our God can do anything, and, <laughs> but, and he can. He I, I, I'm not limiting God and his ability, but God uses That's right. us. And if you're not there or you're not somewhere doing what God has uh, instructed you to do according to his word, well, then God is to some extent not working in that area because of your lack of participation in what God expects us to be doing. Amen. Amen. I think about this, Brother Irvin. I think about, you know, God could just, God could send an angel to tell them about the Lord. He could do that if he wanted to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He could 
drop leaflets out of heaven. You know, God, sure. God did that for the children of Israel in the wilderness. He dropped manna out of heaven. Right. I heard a preacher uh, one time preaching about the feeding of the 5,000. And he made a really good point. I, I, I felt like um, about that. He said, nowhere in the New Testament. And now, now in, in the Old Testament, God dropped bread out of heaven. In the New Testament, God never gives, you'll never see the Lord Jesus Christ giving a piece of bread to a lost person. You don't see mm-hmm. that. You see him mm-hmm. breaking the bread and giving it to his disciples and his disciples saying, give it, giving it to give it to the people. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. And God could do whatever yeah. he wants to do, but he's chosen to use us. He has. To give out the and per, prime examples of that, you know, if you think about Cornelius, an angel comes to Cornelius and says, Go send somebody to go get Peter, and then he'll come back and tell you what you need to know. Yes, sir. Why didn't the angel just tell him? (laughs) The the Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch go. You know, the angel goes to Philip and says, "Hey, stop what you're doing here and go talk to that eunuch." Amen. But why didn't the angel? You know, God could do any number of things, and we could sit here and talk for for years about what God could do. But it's very clear that God uses His people to do that, and I appreciate that you've created an online. Medium, and I didn't realize it was also broadcast on your radio station as well. Yes, um, but but it's a blessing that you've created something to, you know, just one more thing that would help Bible believing Christians think about the fields that are white under harvest that need laborers that need somebody to go out and tell these Amen. people about Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate that, and I I thank the Lord that He's put this in my lap, amen, to have me to to do this. I'm not, yeah. I'm not the best one that could do it. I think about, like even right now, I'm this week on the Missions Moment, what I'm talking about is territories. And I've, I've had um, different ideas about, uh, you know, somebody said you should do all 50 of the states. And I, I thought about mm-hmm. that. I actually started working on that one time for a different project, uh, maybe to try to, I, one time I thought maybe I could put it in a book form. But the problem is, Everything changes so quickly. By the time you got it printed, it would be out of date. And sure. so that's one major hindrance for that. But um, I started on that and I may do that one day. And next year, I'm not doing some, what I do during the filler days when I don't have a country to talk about. Generally in the mm-hmm. wintertime, I, um, I talk about a religion or um, a continent sure. or, you know, just something like that that has to do with missions. And um, so, but. Next year, my plan is I've, I've got it decided what I'm going to do, Lord willing, is instead of talking about those things, about the, the religions and the continents and things like that, I want to use my filler days to talk about languages and how mm-hmm. many people speak each language and what kind of spread of the gospel is going on in those languages. And I, yeah. I hope that that will be a blessing. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of things that I could do in one sense, but it's it takes time and it takes um, studying and, and, and I'm not complaining about that. I'm just saying I'm, it's, I feel like somebody else could do much better than I'm doing, um, but the Lord's placed it in my lap and I thank the Lord for that. And I'm, I'm not in competition with anybody else that wants to do it as well. <laughs> Man, they can, sure, they can sure. more, the more, the more, the merrier. Yeah. No, I, but, but I, I think the way you've put it together is, is very well done. I, 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 Really enjoy it. I, I appreciate well, I the way appreciate you do it. it. Amen. Now, in terms of the mission moment, if people were to visit the mission moment webpage, you know, uh, briefly tell them what types of information they'll find there, and and uh, 
you know, just kind of give a, a brief description of some of the background information you provide and, and some of the, the things you try to incorporate into these various posts and radio broadcasts. Okay. Well, um, what would you find if you looked at the missions moment and what, I, what I'm doing right now, I'm posting it on my Facebook group. And so it is mm-hmm. a private group. And I did that because I, it started out as a public group. And now I almost wish I didn't make it a private group because I can't, I can't change that now. Um, uh, once you go private, you can't make it public. You'd have to close the group and start a new one. Then you'd have to okay do all that. So, um, but the reason I did it is because certain places are sensitive information uh, as far right. as talking about missionaries in some countries. And so I didn't want uh, that. What I was having, I was having a lot of people share the missions moment, which I'm thankful for. But um, I didn't want that information being out and it causing harm to the work of the Lord sure. somewhere because some somebody's information got out that shouldn't have been out. And mm-hmm. so I didn't want to limit what I was saying about it because I think it's important for us to pray about these situations. And so I just made it a private group where that it won't get out as much. Now, I don't really trust Facebook to keep the information private either. So I'm still trying right. to be a little bit careful about what I say, but I feel like right. it'd be a little bit better being in a private group. But I, um, I did that on Facebook. And so you have, um, but I do have, um, I do have information there about the country. As, as you said, I try to bring some comparisons as far as population to what mm-hmm. the uh, population of a state or city in the U S would be like. And also the size of the country and compare that to a state as well. Um, and then mm-hmm. just as we said, because we feel like everything, everybody lives just like we do in Kentucky or uh, Florida or wherever. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but that, that, of course, we know is not the case. I mean, Uganda is a fairly small country, especially compared to the U.S., but it's got a lot of people in it and, right. um, and other countries the same way. So, um, I try to do that and then I try to give them some information about how, uh, how much, um, what, what the religious affiliation is for each person, and even the language, because that would be important if you're trying to reach people with the gospel to know their language. And yeah. so, um, you know, and, and even if you was wanting to ship Bibles or tracks or anything like that over to those places, you would need to know what they could read and what they could understand. Sure. So um, some countries, of course, speak one language and some countries, the largest language is only spoken by 10% of the population or so. So oh, wow. you've got, a, you know, you'd have to learn either just go to one people group or you'd have to learn several different languages. And right. so anyway, just try to give some information about that and then the religious affiliation. And one big problem that I have with that is I'm having to use government sources about religion. Sure. And sure. so, um, I, not that I distrust them entirely, but I, I believe that their description of what a Christian would be is totally different than what I would believe a Christian would be. And right. even when you talk about Baptist, well, what does that mean? You know, sure. there's a lot of different types of Baptist. So I don't, a lot of times I don't even know really what the true temperature of the country is when we're talking about uh, missions. Uh, but I try to find out as much as I can. And post on that. Sure. And then, I, as you mentioned, I try to, if I can find any missionaries, try to uh, get some information from them because they're the the boots on the ground, if we can set that way. They're there. Yeah. They know what's going on and they can give us some good information about uh, the spiritual situation of the country. Well, I, I appreciate that amount of integrity in trying to, you know, present as, as 
up to date and clear information as you can you can find on a country. I think that'd be a blessing to a lot of people if they if they were to go and check that out. Amen. I hope so. Now, while trying to learn a little more about you, I did what people tend to do. I stalked you online. <laughs> and I, I did not realize before uh, kind of looking you up a little bit more that you worked at a radio station. And it's a local Christian radio station there in Kentucky that is actually a ministry of your church. Yes, sir. Um, what, what is your role there? Well, um, I do, I work as a DJ during the afternoons from three to five each weekday. And um, we play songs by request during that time. And I mm-hmm. announce the songs and play those for the people. And then I'm also in charge of making sure we have all the programs downloaded and put in the proper place for the computer to pull them to play um, mm-hmm. at the right times. I, I take care of the programs from midnight until noon. And I, we have another brother here, Brother Steve, that works at the station, been here for a long time. And he does a lot of the technical uh, part that uh, work on the computers and, and programming and stuff like that for the radio station. And he takes care mm-hmm. of the noon to midnight segment of the programming. And um, then I also uh, I host a local issues program. I was talking about things in the community that's going on uh, one evening a, a week. This is a 30-minute okay. program. And um, then I also produce the Missions Moment each weekday for the program. I also I preach on the uh, radio. I have a uh, preaching broadcast on Saturday evenings at 7 p.m., a uh, 30-minute broadcast there as well. So uh, I thank the Lord for the, the opportunity to be a part of the radio. And uh, if it's okay, I'll tell a little bit about where lo- stations, stations are located uh, here oh, yeah. in Western Kentucky. Well. No problem. Okay. We're in Madisonville. The Island Four Baptist Church is the church here that I'm a member of. My dad is the pastor, and uh, he's also the president of the radio station here. And uh, uh, WSOF, it stands for the Wonderful Sounds of Faith um, here in Western Kentucky. We're 39,000-watt station, and so it picks up most of Western Kentucky, uh, really west wow. Interstate 65. If you're running up 65, you can't really pick it up several, just a couple places and it's pretty spotty up near Elizabethtown. But if you come out Western Kentucky, you can pick us up pretty much the whole way from Elizabethtown or Litchfield anyway, West. And um, we don't hardly reach to Paducah, reach to this side of Paducah. So some of 24, we reach, and then also Southeast Illinois and Southwest Indiana around the Evansville, Indiana area. And so you pick mm-hmm. up on Interstate 64 if you're traveling through that way um, from Louisville to uh St. Louis, you can pick us up just a little bit there for a few minutes there in the middle. And then we also have okay. another, that's at 89.9. We also have another radio station there in McKenzie, Tennessee, which is about two and a half hours away. Um, it's mm-hmm. about two hours northwest of Nashville. And there in McKenzie, it's a thousand watt station. And we have a translator in Paris, Tennessee. So that uh, radio station is 80, 89.3 there in McKenzie. And uh, in Paris, it's 96.3. And so... Okay. It's, it's, a, it's a great ministry to be involved in, especially during this time of the coronavirus when people are not out, uh, able to get out and go to church or go yeah. where we at, broadcast their services live. And so it's a yeah. blessing. Well, praise the Lord. And what what, a, what is your estimated listenership? How many, how many people do you estimate listen on, on average? I don't know. We, we don't really have a figure as far as that goes. Um, we have okay. uh, 
in in Western Kentucky here in um, WSOF listening area. Um, Thirty nine thousand watts is a fairly large uh, FM station, and so okay. we, you can if you travel from the station north, you can pick it up for well over an hour traveling north. Wow. Travel south, you can only pick it up maybe about uh, forty minutes or so. Travel east, it's about almost two hours east. You can pick it up. Wow. And then west again is the same as, well, it's about an hour. It depends on which, exactly which direction west. But a lot of it is real rural area. And so mm-hmm. we have the biggest city that we cover really is uh, Evansville, Indiana. And we cover pretty much all of it now. It didn't used to, but uh, we do now. And um, then also Owensboro. You can pick us up almost anywhere in Owensboro. It's a fairly large city there as well. And then Hopkinsville. Uh, we cover most of it as well. So, uh, and then uh, Madisonville is our hometown for the station. So we cover it very well. <laughs> but I, I, I don't remember so now. Um, I think there's around 250,000 people in our listening area. I believe that that's the correct okay. number. And, um, and so it's, you know, we don't have 250,000 people listening, <laughs> but sure, uh, sure. we have that many people that have the ability to listen. So. Well, praise the Lord. Glad you're there and hope it continues to go strong. Amen. Um, how, how did you get involved in the radio station or in, in this area of ministry? Yes, sir. My dad, as I said, was my pastor growing up and he pastored there in uh, North Carolina until 2014. And he thought he'd be there for the rest of his life, but the Lord had a different plan. He didn't have any desire to leave and uh, didn't mm-hmm. want to leave. Uh, but the church here called him actually in April, I think it was maybe, I think maybe one time before that and asked him about it. And he said, no, he wasn't interested. It, Daddy's preached here at this church for years. Actually, my mom was saved here in this church in 96 during a, a Jubilee meeting. And so oh. we've been affiliated with this station, uh, with this, yeah, with this station and with the church here for uh, many years. And so, um, but Daddy preached here at least once a year generally. Um, for several years. And so he knew him, but they asked him, the pastor was needing to resign because of health issues. And he's actually still here and is a great blessing to the church here still. And so that that doesn't always happen that way where the new pastor can come in and the old pastor stay and get along very well. But uh, I thank the Lord right. that he's allowed that to happen here in this situation. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, but so they called and they said no. And then they called again and Daddy said no again, but they said, well, would you at least consider praying about it? Because you're the only man we can uh, can decide on, and, and you're the only name that's come up for the church. And they said, well, he'd pray about it. So he prayed about it, and that was in April. And in, I think it was in um, June or sometime around in there, uh, the Lord just really confirmed it in his heart and my mom's heart uh, that this was where the Lord would have them. And uh, mm-hmm. so... In August, Daddy came out here and preached in a meeting, and um, they voted him in. And uh, so he went back and resigned the church there at Vision. And again, it wasn't. It's always, you know, it's it's always difficult when you have somebody uh, resign one church to take another. I don't think that preaching is a business. I don't think that sure. people should just take the the highest offering or whatever like that. But I believe in this situation, it was the Lord's will. And so the Lord worked it all out. It couldn't have worked out any better for everybody involved. The church there at North Carolina called a good man, Brother Joel Gray, actually here from Kentucky. And he went to North Carolina, pastor there and still there. 
and the Lord's still blessing the work there. So we thank the Lord for that. I stayed there with Brother Gray for uh, two and a half years after my dad came here. And then mm-hmm. in 2016, toward the end of 2016, uh employee here at the station um, had to leave the station and took another job. And so uh, he, uh, whenever he did that, it left an opening here. And actually, um, the previous employee, they didn't replace. So they were short two people, really. And um, so my dad started looking for somebody to come here. And he asked me if I would pray about it. And I said, I would. So I prayed about it for a couple months. And I felt like the Lord confirmed in my heart that this was exactly where he wanted me to be for this time in my life. And so um, I talked to my pastor there, Brother Gray, and uh, he uh, gave me his blessing to do it. And so we came out here and uh, been here since 2017, the February 2017, and been a part of the radio station here. And I'm thankful that the Lord put this in my path. And I don't know how long I'll be here. I may be here for a long time. I may not. I don't know. But I'm thankful for the time that the Lord's given me here at the radio station. Yeah. Now, the website says um, it's the oldest Christian radio station of its kind in Western Kentucky. What What does that mean exactly? Okay. WSOF has been on the air for 43 years, and it started as a Christian radio station um, and has remained a Christian radio station for all of those 43 years. There are other mm-hmm. stations here in Western Kentucky, and in, I think there's, well, I, I don't remember the exact total. We looked it up on the 40th anniversary, Brother Steve. I looked it up, and I looked up some information about it. But there's some other stations that started out Christian but no longer are that are older, right. or or maybe right. even vice versa, where they started out something else and became Christian. Um, and there may be some others that are older but are what they call uh, CCM or Contemporary Christian Music. Um, yeah. or uh, totally Southern gospel music. Now, here on our station, we play some older Southern gospel music, um, and we play some church music, some choir music, and a lot of church groups and things like that. Um, but what is coming out as Southern gospel today, uh, very little of that, if any, would would <laughs> be considered uh, good music for our station. Amen. Sure. And so sure. Um, we just try to keep it as, we, we try to have Christ honoring music and it's not just about the words. It is also about the music as well. And mm-hmm. um, I think you, you think about people say, well, music doesn't really have an effect. Um, it doesn't really matter. Well, you, you look at Saul, when Saul had an evil spirit, uh, he called mm-hmm. David in, they called David in to play music on the harp that run off the evil, that, that put out the evil spirit. And that was yeah. good music. And I do believe that evil music brings evil spirits. And it doesn't matter really what the words are necessarily. Um, if you go after the world's music, uh, you, you're, not, you're not progressing in the Christian life. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, music certainly has a, plays a major role in, in spiritual uh, uh, growth and, and maturity and, and all those things. It's definitely highly important. Yes, sir. Amen. Now the 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 radio station promotes preaching and teaching the gospel of Christ. Are there specific people on the radio station whose preaching you you tend to broadcast? Yes, sir. Um, uh, we have preaching throughout the night at different parts of the night. We play some uh, preaching broadcasts that are also played during the day. We repeat some um, for the one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock hours, five o'clock, all that. But then at um, from six to eight, my dad does um, music, and then the same thing that I do 
in the afternoons. He does early mornings. And then um, at eight o'clock from eight, really to 1215, we have preaching broadcast almost entirely for that time. And then we also have preaching uh, at five o'clock from five to seven. And then at nine o'clock, we have a preacher's hour, which we just play different messages um, from different preachers. Um, Brother Steve uh, takes care of that and finds good messages and plays those on the preacher's hour each night. But as far as regular broadcast, we we air uh, Lester Roloff, um, Brother Stenet Blue. Uh, Brother Stenet Blue actually started his radio ministry on our radio station. Um, oh, wow. Brother Oliver B. Green, uh, Brother uh, J.B. Buffington, um, mm-hmm. Brother Ronnie Simpson, Brother Alfred Willis, and a, a bunch of others. And we also have uh, some several good uh, preachers from right here in the local uh, Mattisville, Kentucky area. And so we're okay. thankful, thankful for each one of those that take the time. I mean, it, it is difficult to stay caught up and to continually make a good broadcast and preach on the radio continually um, without, you know, making a, a good broadcast, a good quality broadcast and uh, staying caught up is very hard to do. It takes diligence to do that. And we thank the Lord for each one of those that do that. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Well, that's a blessing. Now, the the station website strongly promotes its conservative values. In a day when many churches are quickly heading in a liberal contemporary direction, why is it important for you to uh, announce and make that stand? I think it is very important uh, that we maintain biblical standards in our day and in every day. Um, if it If it was ever true, then it's still true today. And so I've already said that I believe that the Word of God, um, uh, use some of those verses there to say that the Word of God is pure, is perfect, mm-hmm. and is preserved for us today exactly the way that God intends for it to be. And I believe that. Uh, I believe that the Bible is not just a book of suggestions. I think that it's God's way and God's way is best. Uh, it doesn't matter what day or time it is. And I believe if we'll follow it, we'll reap the benefits of a good Christian life. I think that the world is mixed up. We can look around. People say, well, it's 2020. You know, uh, you still believe this or you still believe that? I think that we should still believe it. Amen. Amen. I, the the year is just a number, really. is doesn't mean anything as far as physical <laughs> values. Right. Know? I think the world is so mixed up today, and especially in America. I mean, we have so many people that claim to be Christians here in America. And um, I think the world is mixed up. And one of the reasons it is possibly because people that claim to be Christians are really mixed up in their sure. uh, beliefs. I think uh, one of the things we we see that uh, um, people are, are mixed up. They don't know what sex they are. And one reason may be because God's people have decided that there's no difference really in the roles or the wardrobe of the different sexes. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I've heard people say, here's another example. I've heard people say, uh, I've heard good Christian people. And I don't, you know, we, we talk about culture and uh, the role that it plays in our life. We don't even realize sometimes what we're saying. I've heard good Christian people. I don't have anything against divorced people. You understand? But mm-hmm. um, I do believe that the Bible is still against divorce and remarriage. Mm-hmm. I've heard good Christian people t- talk about somebody else who had been through a divorce and uh, they they say, well, you know, I hope he finds a good wife or I hope she finds a good husband. I just want them to be happy. 
you know, and right. um, that's we should be thankful, uh, thinking about other people's happiness and things like that, but not in exchange for their holiness. And right. I think in our day now, we're seeing people say, well, they just want to, you know, they want to get married to the same sex and their excuses. I just want to be happy. And we, when we let down on our biblical stands and our biblical values, then it has consequences. And, um, mm-hmm. and I, I think we lose a lot of our power and our, um, our usage toward the things of God when we don't take the stand that we should, that the Bible takes. And I think it's very important that we stay true to the biblical standards. Now, there are some standards that are extra biblical. We understand that. Um, but I think it's sure. I think sure. we should hold traditional Christian values very highly. Well, brother, it was a tremendous blessing. I thank you so much for giving me this time. And uh, uh, before we go, if you would uh, tell people what time of day, where, and how they can hear and read about mission missions moment. Yes, sir. Well, brother Irvin, I certainly appreciate it. It's been a blessing to me. To be a part of this interview, I thank the Lord for it. I thank the Lord for the work that you do here at Plenteous Redemption and the work that you're doing for the Lord there um, in Uganda and even even Deputation. I think Deputation is a ministry in itself. And I uh, thank the Lord that you're using this time to do more than just um, doing Deputation. You're still doing work sure. for the Lord. And I thank the Lord for that. As far as the missions moment where you can find it and hear it and all of that, um, I I thank you for being interested in, in the missions moment, brother. And I appreciate the yeah. work that you're doing here in this interview. If somebody's interested in finding the missions moment, you can search the group, search for the group in Facebook. I think there's an option there for you to search groups and mm-hmm. you can search for missions moment. And you'll have to ask to be a member. But I think that anybody can see that group um, and you can't see what's posted necessarily, I don't think. But you can see the group and ask to become a member, and I'll I'll let you become a member of that group. And uh, it's just called the missions moment. So, or mm-hmm. missions moment, I should say. Z is not in the title, but um, it's on Facebook there. Or if you don't have Facebook or you can't find the missions moment, you can email me, and I'll give you my email address here in just a moment. Um, if you want to get a pen ready, you can email me, and I'll send you an email of the missions moment. I do that for a few people that are not on Facebook that would rather hear it that or receive it that way. Um, mm-hmm. You can email me at Joshua, that's J-O-S-H-U-A, at W-S-O-F dot org. And I said that W-S-O-F stands for the wonderful sounds of faith, if that'll help you remember it. Um, so it's just Joshua at W-S-O-F dot org. And yeah. I'll send you an email each weekday. And then also you can find a radio station there. Um, W-S-O-F is on... Uh, 89.9 here in Mattisville, Kentucky, in Western Kentucky, Southwestern Indiana, and Southeastern Illinois. And then also um, in Northwestern, I, I guess you would say Tennessee, there um, in the McKenzie, Tennessee area, um, and Paris, Tennessee. You can find us there on 89.3 or 96.3. And, um, and then you can also find us online at WSOF.org. And you can uh, listen there to the programming of the radio station. You can also, my program, The Missions Moment, does come live uh, around 3.30 in the afternoons, and that's central time. And so it's in the middle of a bunch of music, so it just falls in wherever it does in that. But it's generally 
uh, a minute or two after 3.30 that Mm -hmm. it comes on in the afternoon's central time. So I I really appreciate, Brother uh, Irvin, the the opportunity to present the missions moment here on your podcast and to your listeners. And uh, thank the Lord for the work that you're doing. Well, we're excited to have you. Thank you, brother. And, and uh, we're praying for you and, and greatly appreciate your time. Thank you, brother. What a simple idea, simply meant to encourage God's people to consider missions, to think about the various fields around this world. Would you go to the Missions Moment webpage and just take some time to lift up your eyes and look on the fields? You'll see they're white under harvest. You'll see there's plenty of work to be done. What role can you play in that? Have you thought about surrendering your life to the Lord Jesus Christ for his work, for service to him? That'd be a good time to think about those things. I want to thank Brother Joshua Shepard again for taking the time to sit down with me. Thank you, brother, for your labor for the Lord. Thank you for listening, and God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.